Perception, Perception is reality. Reality. Hello there, folks, and welcome to this 168th episode of Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. It's great to be with you. Thank you for giving me a little bit of your time. I have a fantastic episode planned for you. We're going to be talking to a citizen who I believe that he and his wife are doing everything right when it comes to their involvement in the political process. They are citizens who are educated, they are active and involved, and I think we have a fantastic uh, interview planned for you so that you can hear how to hold elected officials accountable when they might not be doing what they should be doing. So we have a fantastic episode planned for you. I do want to ask before we get started that you share the show with everyone you know. Remind folks that we can be found on all major podcast hosting sites. All they have to do is search for us by name, Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. They can also find us at the home link, which is perception.fireside.fm. Again, that is perception.fireside.fm. We should pull right up. You can find all old and new episodes there. We do our very best to release one episode a week, generally on Tuesdays. And then also don't forget to tell folks to check us out on Facebook. That is Christopher H. Bilbrey on Facebook or facebook.com forward slash Bilbrey318. There I release live video episodes along with other written content that you will not want to miss. All right, in just a few moments, we're going to be joined on the phone by Mr. Brandon Clower. Brandon is a citizen who lives in Portland, Jay County, Indiana, and he and his wife are politically active, politically involved, and they have a very unsettling story about their involvement with a state representative. We've actually talked about this on a prior episode, and I've covered it in a couple live videos on Facebook, and this is absolutely a great example of how citizens should be involved with their government when specifically that government is doing something they shouldn't be doing or violating their rights in, in some form, these citizens don't just lay down and take it. They decide to stand up and fight for their rights. And this is absolutely an amazing story. It's a story that we should all hear. It should give us a little bit of understanding that when someone is an elected official and they do something to dismiss us or to do something that we feel isn't exactly right, that we don't just have to say, okay, that's it, we'll take it. There are steps that we can take to get a little bit of justice, to, to right the ship a little bit, and to make that elected official behave in a way that they should, or, or at least that we hope that they should. And remember, ultimately... No matter what, at the end of the day, we have the ultimate power because we can vote these folks out of office. And so at the end of the day, no matter what happens, 
we have to understand that voting is important, that getting others to vote is important, and that being educated about those that we vote for is the ultimate importance. So this is a really interesting story, and hopefully it will give you a little bit of insight to how these elected officials think, what they do when they're doing whatever it is that they do that's not what they're supposed to be doing. And it will give you, hopefully, a blueprint on how you can further hold them accountable when they're not doing what they should be doing. And it shows you that citizens can stand up for themselves and can hold these elected officials accountable. Keep in mind, folks, they work for us. They are paid our tax dollars to do what it is that we send them off to do, that we elect them to do. They should be working for the majority of citizens, and they should be answering questions, and they should be transparent, and they should be willing to communicate. And when they don't do those things, when they act contrary to all of that, there are steps that we can take to hold them accountable. So before we get started, we do need to take a quick break, but when we return, we will be joined by Mr. Brandon Clower. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the 168th episode of Perception is Reality. I am your host, Christopher H. Bilbury, and we'll be right back. What can give you a competitive edge in today's red-hot housing market? Rocket can. That's because Rocket Mortgage can give you a verified approval. It could help your offer stand out. Rocket technology provides a rock-solid verification of your income, assets, and credit, giving sellers greater confidence in you. Go to rocketmortgage.com or call us today at 8338-ROCKET. A verified approval is based on an underwriter's analysis of your individual financial information, appraisal, and title report. Call for cost information and conditions equal housing under license in all 50 states and MLS consumer access.org number 3030. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Episode 168, Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbreen. Joining us right now on the phone is Mr. Brandon Clower. Brandon, it's great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. It's great to finally have you on and be able to get directly from you what happened between you and District 33 Representative J.D. Prescott. So since we have you here, why don't you start from the beginning and give us a little bit of your background? I grew up kind of in the area. I grew up in the Muncie area, went to Muncie Southside. Uh, I, I've always been interested in, in politics um, never really involved per se, other than I've always been an active voter, um, voting every opportunity I get. Um, so it, it was something I was always interested in. Ended up meeting my wife. Uh, she's she was a high school teacher here in Jay County, Jay County High School. So um, things hit hit it off pretty well. So um, I ended up moving up here. We got married, so we're we're both residents of Portland. She's gotten really involved in politics, particularly when it comes to the, the legislation that impacts schools, um, education, all that. Sure. That that's something that she's always been interested in. So um, it, it was interesting after this, um, just before this most recent election. I'm trying to make sure I'm telling this right, but essentially she started having people come to her in the community um, who knew that she was interested in, in these kinds of things that 
that um, she really advocated for education that, hey, you, you might be a, a good candidate for a representative. Um, there, there's a lot of questions. A lot of people had concerns about our current representative, J.D. Prescott, and um, a lot of people were displeased with how things were going. And they said, hey, you, you probably stand a good shot. You should, you know, put your name in the in the in the running and and try it out. You know, you, you could probably be a pretty good representative. Do you guys consider yourselves conservative, liberal? Where do you fall on the political spectrum? Uh, we're both pretty conservative. When it comes to some of the social things, maybe we're a little more liberal, but we're both we're both pretty conservative. A lot of people that listen to the show are conservative. I have listeners all across the board. So with you guys being conservative, that means she decided to run as a Republican against Representative J.D. Prescott. He is also a Republican which means your wife's big race would have been the May primary. That's where she would have had to take on Republican J.D. Prescott, who's the incumbent, to see which one of them would then move on to face the Democrat challenger in November. Now, before we move on, I want to make sure people are aware of just what exactly the state representatives do. Basically, it's kind of like the federal government at the state level. Inside each state, we have state senators and state representatives, and these officials are elected, and they go to the state house, and they create the laws of the state. State senators serve a four-year term. State representatives serve a two-year term. And there currently are 50 state senators in Indiana and 100 state representatives. The state senators have districts that they represent, and the state representatives have districts that they represent. These districts are in place for 10-year periods, and every 10 years after the census is taken and the population is decided, these districts are redistricted. Now, I want to be very clear. This just happened. At the time J.D. Prescott become representative of his district, up through the time and the issue that we're talking in 2018, 2019, and then during this period that we're talking with your wife, which was 2020, District 33 looked one way. District 33, as we set here today, looks a very different way. At the time that we're talking in 2020, District 33 was all of Randolph County, all of Jay County, and the third most eastern portion of Delaware County around to southern Delaware County. Now District 33 looks quite different. It is all of Randolph County still. It's picked up all of Blackford County, and now all of Jay County is no longer in District 33. The top third is in a different district, and the middle and bottom third of Jay County is in District 33. Delaware County's areas basically stay the same, but it's also picked up just a very small section of the most northeastern section of Henry County. And this changes due to population increase or decrease. And that's why filling out the census is so important because that's how these areas and districts are maintained. And it's important that the census knows how many people are in an area so that helps with the redistricting and the size changes 
what goes on. So that's just a little off section there that I think people need to be aware of. But J.D. Prescott was a state representative, which means he runs every two years for re-election. And in 2020, your wife was a challenger as a Republican and hoped to unseat him as an incumbent and then face a Democrat challenger in November. Now, just to bring everybody up to speed on a little bit of history of District 33, current incumbent Republican Representative J.D. Prescott, who your wife was trying to unseat in 2020, he's actually held that seat since 2018. Uh, in 2016, Greg Beimer won re-election to the seat and decided that he was not going to seek re-election. He was retiring from the House of Representatives. So that left it an open seat. And three candidates went out for it in the 2018 election. J.D. Prescott was the Republican candidate. He was a first-time candidate, had never held or ran for office before. The Democrat candidate was Sean Byram. He was the current, at the time, mayor of Winchester, and the Libertarian candidate was an attorney from Randolph County called Dale Arnett. Dale now is a judge in Randolph County, but at the time, I was wildly opposed to Sean Byram getting that seat, so I put my support behind J.D. Prescott, and I did whatever I could to campaign for him and to campaign against Sean Byram. I did not want Sean Byram to win the state representative seat and go to the state house. I wanted to make sure that we could unelect him from the mayor's office and do what we did. And of course, we defeated him soundly. He's no longer in politics. Thank God. But when I supported J.D. Prescott in 2018, I knew that I was not a major, major fan of his. And I knew that there would be times when we would definitely butt heads and I knew there would come a point where I wanted to help make sure that he was unelected as a state representative. And the reason I say that is he's a nice enough guy, I guess. Okay, I really don't know him personally, but I knew that he wasn't interested in being the best representative he could be. In my opinion, he was too ambitious. He was more concerned about how his star would shine within the Republican Party, and he was more concerned about his ladder upward within the Republican Party and within Indiana government. He's more concerned about where he's going to go rather than where he currently is. And I feel like that makes people um, not good candidates for specific offices. But at the time, he was the only choice I had. We had to defeat Sean Byram. And so J.D. won the seat in 2018, thank God. He then held the seat in 2019, and then in 2020, I actually was supportive of your wife and hoping that your wife would be able to unseat him, and you know that's, that's where we were with that. But that just gives the listener a little bit of history of that seat, and it allows people to know how long J.D.'s been the state representative. Now that then brings us back to your story where your wife has been approached towards the end of 2019 asking her if she would be interested in running for District 33 representative in the 2020 election. And do you guys sit down and talk about that? Tell us about that process. That's a big conversation, you know, because that's um, 
I, I had a lot of concerns. It, it, it's kind of funny as a husband. My wife and I are partners. We work on everything together. We make sure. these decisions together. And it's funny. You, ha- you have like different concerns. Like I, I never had concerns that she would do a good job because I knew she would. There were concerns with, oh, well, this is going to be, you know, a lot of added stress. This is a lot of work. You're going to have people who, no matter how good of a job you do, you, you're going to have people who disagree with you and criticize you. And, and, and so there's a lot of concerns on that kind of stuff from, from my perspective. But we talked it out. My, my wife's a strong person and she really wanted to serve the community. You know, she, sure. she, she truly believes that, that she could make a difference, that, um, that she could do a better job and, that she didn't have to convince me of that. I, I knew she could, but we knew it was going to be really time consuming running through a campaign while we're both working full time that we're going to have to do some budgeting because running against a incumbent representative, they've got a lot more financial backing. They've got previous donors, you know, so, so we're trying to figure out how we're going to handle it financially, how much we can commit to a, to a campaign. So, we we kind of went through all those kinds of things and decided that, you know, yeah, let's let's do it. You know, I, I told her I'd support her and do what I could to help and that we'd work on this together. I got to say real quick, I love I love how how you just walked through the process. And that's something that people really need to know because I push that a lot. And matter of fact, we we're, we're in that period right now where I am calling on people to uh, decide if they want to run because although there's not an election this year, we didn't have a May primary and we're not having a November general election, so we're off this year. We're just a couple months away from the filing period opening up for the state of Indiana. That period will start in January and it'll run through February. It's a short 28- or 30-day window where folks can run for local um or state or federal office and you you have to file to run and I encourage people if they want to run to run but before you do so it's important to do exactly what you guys did you sit down you talk about it with your family your loved ones your friends and some of that has to be you know what are we looking at financially that's very important so i like that you said that because i feel like so many people say i want to run for office and you know that's their right they can go down there and file you don't have to have any money to put into it if you don't want but i feel like those people kind of are looking at that blindly because to be honest if you're going to give it a real shot you know, it's going to be a financial commitment from from somebody, whether you're going to go out and ask for money or if you're going to put money in it yourselves. But if you're going to run and make it a serious run and a serious attempt, you have to have that financial conversation with yourself, with your partner, and, you know, possibly with friends or family that, you know, would be donating. So that's very important, and I love hearing that you said that you guys did that because, you know, as I say on here all the time, it's it's important to get involved, but before you get involved, education is 
the most important aspect. You know, before you get involved, you need to get educated. And part of that education process is sitting down and talking about what it's going to do to you, to your family, stress-wise, financially, and everything that that can entail. I like that you said that. All right, so you guys decide that she's going to run. She gets filed. She's now running for the District 33 state representative in the May 2020 primary. Now, walk us through the campaign a little bit, if you can. For a lot of the beginning, I was kind of hands-off on a lot of things. She she had talked with a lot of friends. She talked with family, like you said. I know I kind of left them out initially, but a lot of the discussion was between us. But there, there were people who were supporting her, who um, agreed to help with the campaign, who would would help with all this stuff. So she gets that started, talks with all of her, with her supporters, her campaign, what do you want to call them, their team members. Sure. And kind of starts getting some plans together. And then of course, COVID strikes. So that definitely throws a wrench in plans because when you're running a campaign, I mean, if you have a ton of money, you can, you can run TV ads, you can run ads in the paper all the time. You can run um, radio ads constantly. That's no problem. But when your plan involves actually getting out, meeting and talking with people and answering questions, then the pandemic hits where they're saying, we don't know what's going on. We need to quarantine. This this could be killing people. You can't then go with your original plan of let's go door to door and knock on everybody's door and say, hey, how are you doing? Let's Let's have a conversation. Oh, absolutely. It definitely threw a wrench in a lot of campaigns because there was the period where they said, okay, you cannot walk door to door. Then people said, okay, it's okay to walk door to door, just stand back. And there were some people who were getting offended if candidates were walking, and there were people who were getting offended if candidates weren't walking. So you really had to kind of adapt and overcome during the 2020 election cycle. It was very bizarre. And look, I have said this since the beginning of time, and I will always say it. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how many different newspaper, radio, or TV ads you put out. Elections are won and lost, at least on the local and state levels, at the walking and the door-to-door campaigns. Pounding the pavement, knocking on doors, talking to people, and letting people see you, your face, this is me out in the public, that is how elections are won and or lost. And that really changed during that 2020 election cycle because of the pandemic. It was tough. And my wife did her best to adapt. She has plenty of good ideas. I guess I don't want to spill all of her ideas. But sure. um, she did a lot more of the um, online campaign when she mm-hmm. could, running her Facebook. She called everyone she could. She spent countless hours manually texting or calling people and it it would be funny because she'd text someone and say, hi, my name's Brittany Clover. I'm, I'm running for District 33 state representative. People text back the take me off this, this automated <laughs> thing. And she'd say, well, it's not automated. It's me. But if you don't want me to contact you, that's fine. Like, oh, holy smokes. It's actually you. Yeah, I've got, they'd interact with her, but it was really funny. There's like, oh, this stupid robot. They thought it was one of those generated mass text groups that everybody hates to get. It was just her personally trying to engage with everyone she could from the the voter lists. And- Absolutely. That means a lot to people, especially knowing that this candidate is really trying to reach out and talk to me one-on-one, you know, through this pandemic where we might not be able to talk face-to-face. Over the phone is the next best thing. She really adapted, and I'm, I'm really proud of her for everything she did and how hard That's she good. worked. It's a lot of tough work, and so it's... It's definitely good to have someone like you by her side to be able to to give her that 
that boost to to say, hey, you did a really good job. Something I'm very interested about is, did she get help from the Delaware County, Jay County, and Randolph County Republican parties? Or because they see J.D. as the incumbent Republican and she is the outsider Republican challenger, did they not help her and did they give her a bunch of grief and not assist her the way that they should actually be assisting her? I don't know how much I want to say for my wife. But I will tell you, running against an incumbent is definitely not what I would call a level playing field. You are preaching to the choir. I completely understand everything that you're saying there, and you don't have to say anything more. It is, it's a load of crap, and I'll be real honest. The county-level parties, both in the Democrats and the Republicans, should not be doing what they're doing. They should not pick favorites in the primaries. It should be level, and they should give all candidates the same amount of support, and information and they should let the voters decide but they really set us up for failure when they do what they do and we as voters need to help overcome that and we can do so by getting out and voting but we can also get involved at the county level parties and become involved and we can make it better by getting involved and kind of beating it from the inside out. So I completely understand where you're coming from there. It's it's ridiculous, but it is something that we have to deal with. After all, it is politics. There's particularly things that the party itself has access to, you know, data yep. and things like that. I guess they can distribute to whoever they want. And they may or may not distribute that equally. So um, yeah, that's that is definitely data alone is very powerful. That's definitely something that I have been fighting against for a very long time. I, I feel like county level party officials do so much to hurt citizen participation in the political process because of how they pick and choose who they give what to. It's it's my opinion that they should give all candidates running under their banner the same information. And then let those candidates decide what they're going to do with that information. And if there are candidates that have more money, they can do more with it. And if there are candidates that have less money, but they're going to approach it this way, then they can decide. But they should let the chips fall where they may after giving everybody the same information and the same help across the board. If you have $1,000 that you're going to give in a city council race, then you should give it equally. If you have two people running as Republicans, you should give 500 here and 500 there. If you're not going to give one candidate money, then you shouldn't give the other candidate money. And if you have voter information and data that you can give to one candidate, by God, you should give it to the other candidate or both should not get it. Period. Point blank. End of story. Moving on from there, we come up to the election. It was held in June of 2020 rather than in May of 2020 due to the pandemic. It was pushed off a month. But unfortunately, your wife comes up short in the May primary. J.D. wins. There were a couple Democrat candidates, and Julie Snyder won the Democrat primary. And then J.D. easily defeated her in November. So he was reelected to the state representative's seat. But you guys didn't just quit in May. You didn't say, okay, we got beat. We're done paying attention. You still thought it was important to stay involved 
and to keep up with what was going on. And you guys are still really actively involved. If you would talk about that for a moment. Yeah, because the whole point of running was was to serve the community. I mean, that really was at the heart of it. So just because you lose doesn't mean you just then sit back and say, okay, well, I guess we lost. We'll just, you know, I guess things are fine. We're okay right. without <laughs> things are going, you know? Right. We definitely stay involved. Brittany's involved in some different organizations. She's just crazy with data. I, I don't get it, but she can just sit there and read through all these bills and and uh, she'll highlight, does notebooks. She, she's really great and meticulous with this stuff. Um, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, and I, and I kind of tried to follow along with it too. You know, I, um, just reading the stuff and if, if there's a bill or something coming through and, and we have questions or concerns, um, we're going to voice those concerns or we're going to ask about it. Sure. Um, so that in, in particular, that's interesting. Um, I guess we're getting to the start of where my letter begins is that um, so we get into legislation session again and we've got House Bill 1005, which is the huge education bill. There were tons of questions on it. Um, lots of changes. Brittany was following it in particular because it directly impacts her career and what she advocates for and what she's devoted her life to, basically. So we're kind of following J.D. Prescott on Facebook. He's got a page that he has listed as his campaign page, but we noticed it was in February. I can't remember the exact day. Middle of the day, they're in session. He puts a post on there that says something along the lines of, hey, I'm supporting House Bill 1005. I think it's good for this and that reason. Um, I like to give, it, it gives students a choice. Not everybody learns the same, et cetera, et cetera. Um, kind of his spiel on why he supports it. I, I don't know how it was in the um, rest of the state, but in, in Jay County, we were, we were seeing lots of questions, a lot of people with concerns about it. So there was a ton of um, posts off of his posts, lots of comments, questions, um, concerns. There's, of course, the people on there who are saying, you know, great, great job, J.D. You're really fighting for Winchester. You're doing a great job. There's a lot of people who are saying, hey, I have concerns that this is going to hurt how our schools function and and how we budget things and um what about this and that and he was interacting with some people on he'd say well i still think kids deserve a choice so that's 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 my stance that's where i where i end on it um where people were asking for data he'd say well you're misinformed say, well can you can you give us the data then if we're misinformed then what's the data i'll, I'll go get it um we posted some some little charts and things and um I, I had some questions on there I'd been asking for a while. Somebody had posted something about, you know, great job. You're really representing Winchester with this bill. And I asked some question along the lines of to the directed at this person. Um, does Winchester have a, a private or charter school? I don't see how this bill would help Winchester then. It, it, my question was deleted. It was about how I just explained it. It wasn't particularly rude or disrespectful sure you're uh, not maybe. cussing or being vulgar or, or anything you're just you just simply ask a question yeah so it disappears someone else later ended up asking the same question and it got left on there there's to get deleted i don't believe um i asked another question along the lines of um he had voted against house bill 1265 which had to do with testing the water for lead in the school's water supply and if there's lead in the drinking water and it's unsafe the bill would say, hey, well, you need to fix that. We, we can't 
have lead in our drinking water. So we voted against it. And I'm like, well, you're saying you support the schools. Why wouldn't you support a simple bill like this? Also, there was another bill, the Senate Bill 280, which is the it's like an over 65 property tax deduction. Um, essentially, for disabled veterans and, and elderly people, it would um, um, basically it was capping their property taxes. Um, I'll probably not explain it well, but essentially it was another bill that he had been asked about several times and kind of dodged. He was the only representative in the entire state, Republican or Democrat, who voted against it. So I was really confused why he voted against it. Sure, that's interesting. So I asked him about that one as well. Get back on, maybe let's say 15, 20 minutes later to see if he responded because he'd been interacting with people. Uh, my comment's gone. I'm like, well, I'm going to repost it because it's still a valid question and I would like to know. Well, I can't click the comment button anymore. I am uh, blocked. I, okay. I, I, can see, I can see the conversations. I'm no longer able to interact at all. This is needless to say a little frustrating. I know this isn't right. He's acting as a representative, being paid by us as taxpayers. He's in session, uh, and he's discussing, we're discussing legislation, a discussion that he instigated. You, you can't just silence someone like that. Sure. I, I did some research. I saw some other cases where um, judges um, have ruled against that, that you can't do that on social media. There's no real official law that says you can't do it, but it is a violation of someone's First Amendment rights. So I, uh, I'm trying to think of where I talked to him. I think he had, there were some other threads. There was a lot of upset people. I had friends who had started um, some conversations, asking questions that he was interacting with on their Facebook pages. So I jumped on there and I said, hey, I just got blocked. JD, I don't know if you'll respond to this, but this isn't right. This is a violation of my rights and you need to unblock me. He did respond to me. He says, it's my campaign page. I can block whoever I want. Basically, there's not a lot you can do about it. Explain to him, JD, you can call it a campaign page, but you are in session being paid as our representative. You instigated a conversation on legislation that you're actively voting on. This isn't right. You should unblock me and answer my question. That would be the right thing to do. He says, I don't care. It was a campaign page. So I respond to him. So your argument is then that while being in session, working for us, paid by us, you're not doing your job. You're campaigning instead. <laughs> that was the last he responded to me. <laughs> oh, man, this is some great stuff. And I want to break all of this down. I, I tell you what, before we do that, why don't we take a quick break? So when we get back, we are not interrupted and we can get into all of this. And I want to talk about some very key, important information. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the 168th episode of Perception is Reality. When we return, Brandon and I will continue down the rabbit hole. We'll be right back. here is looking for horrible coffee. Anybody? You over there? No, I didn't think so. I'm not. And I didn't think you were either. If you're looking for coffee perfection, then you need to give my friends at Bean Fruit Coffee Company a try. And you can find them right now online at beanfruit.com. Folks, they are striving for coffee perfection. And aren't we all? Since 2010, they have meticulously selected and roasted the highest quality coffees from around the globe. 
They believe that a great cup of coffee is no accident. It is a process, one in which they have spent countless hours perfecting. You need this coffee in a cup near you, and you can get it there right now. All you have to do is visit Bean Fruit Coffee Company at beanfruit.com. Do it today. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the 168th episode of Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey, and we're talking on the phone with Mr. Brandon Clower, and we were talking about his wife who had ran for state representative of District 33 against J.D. Prescott. After the election, she lost, unfortunately, his wife, Brittany, and he decided to stay involved like good citizens should. And he ran up against an issue because he did the unthinkable. He decided to ask his state representative, J.D. Prescott, a question. Oh, no. Oh, my. Not the dreaded question. Dun, dun, dun. But you know how it goes. For whatever reason, J.D. Prescott, state representative of District 33, didn't want to answer this question. The question was deleted off of the Facebook page that Brandon had left it on. And in pretty quick order, Brandon found himself banned from being able to engage with his elected official and other constituents on a page that was set up basically to do this very thing. The page was used by Representative Prescott to engage in the government business that he was elected to engage in, and other citizens were able to talk back and forth with each other and with Representative Prescott. But because Brandon asked a question that for some reason J.D. didn't seem to like or didn't seem to want to answer, Brandon now finds himself banned and his First Amendment right violated. Now, before we get started, I want to say I've talked to you a couple times now and we've communicated by phone, we've communicated by text. You seem to be a fairly soft-spoken person. You don't seem to be crazy. I, I don't know that in any of the time that I've talked to you, I've heard you curse. You seem to be someone who is fairly level-headed. And now I know that we're talking about social media, and in the world of social media, we really don't know how people can act when they're in front of their computer screen and talking to who knows who about what, you know, people could say or do lots of different things. But I have a pretty safe opinion that you are a pretty level-headed person, whether you're on or off of social media. Am I right? I, I'd say so. I, I'm probably even on better behavior on social media because that's <laughs> right. writing and that's pretty hard to right. hide from if you were to act a fool. Right. I, I, I hear you. I hear you. Okay. So that, that makes sense. And, and you know, I, I assume that you're on there, you know, being respectful. Um, now, this is such a sticking point with me because... This happens to me quite frequently in the position that I'm in and, and what I do. What I've noticed is there are certain candidates and definitely currently elected officials who like to 
point out people like you and I that ask questions and maybe we get frustrated because we ask questions that don't get answered and they won't communicate with us and they beat around the bush and they do everything they can to try not to communicate or be transparent or allow themselves to be held accountable. So they do everything they can to stop communication and to just shut down or to kick us out of meetings or to ban us from communicating with them on social media. And they and their supporters and their teams and their administrations do everything that they can to paint us as crazy people because we continue to ask questions and we continue to demand a certain level of communication and transparency and accountability and they make us the bad guy because we are doing simply what our civic duty says that we should be doing. But they don't see that. They say that we're unhinged or that we're bad guys or that we're harassing them or we just won't listen to reason because they're giving us an answer, but it's not what we want to hear. And what they're doing is gaslighting and they are in running around the truth and they are lying and they are obfuscating the truth and they just don't want people to pick up on what they're doing. It's all smoke and mirrors and that's why they do things like shut us down, attempt to kick us out of meetings or attempt to ban us or stop communications with us through various means and they just they never realize how bad what they're doing is because it is truly a violation of the First Amendment rights that we all have. And this is something that is very near and dear to my heart. The First Amendment with what I do and things that have occurred over my time involved with politics specifically over the last several years. This is something that is very near and dear to my heart and something that I always talk to the listener about. And that is that it is okay for us to be involved. It is okay to go to meetings. It is okay to record meetings. It is okay to ask questions and to expect an answer to the questions that you asked. And it's not okay for these people to shut down and to ban you and to completely overlook you. That is not okay. And so it's something that we should be doing, engaging these people and asking questions. But when you do that, you have to do that with a cool head. I know sometimes you get angry because you feel like you're not being heard and you're being overlooked, but you have to keep a cooler head and approach this like Brandon does or like I've told you before. You don't want to be cussing. You don't want to be violent. You don't want to be crazy because that's going to get you shut down immediately. That's not going to get you anything. You have to approach it with a level head and you have to be calm. This is politics. It's civil discourse. You can be up upset and you can be angry, but you have to do that in a manner that is level-headed and is, is respectful because if you get out of line, that gives these people a reason to say, okay, you know, they crossed the line. I'm, I'm getting rid of this person. However, like myself, if you get on and you ask a question and the elected official doesn't like the question and they get rid of you simply because they don't like the question, well, then that's crossing the line. 
And I'll take it a step further because what he's doing here to you is saying, well, this is my campaign page and I can get rid of anybody on my campaign page. While that may be correct, as voters, we have to say, wait a minute, if you're running for office or you want reelected to an office and you're not willing to talk to people, you're not willing to have a back and forth civil discourse discussion with a constituent, do we really want you in this office representing us? Because if you are elected or if you are reelected, you know, and you don't want to talk to me next, you know, what happens then? You're just going to shut me down? So we really need to take a look at that. And I feel that folks running for office, whether it's a first time or if they're running for a different office, say they're mayor now and they're running for representative later, or if they're running for re-election to a same office, their campaign pages should be wide open. They should have them completely open and people can comment whether they're friends on the page or not friends on the page. They should block nobody unless the person is being violent or, or crazy or, or whatnot. You know, there's obviously reasons to do anything like that but if someone is just being level-headed they should be open and willing to communicate to anybody and if they are not we should really ask the question are these people who we want and you know that gets into a whole other conversation but but that's definitely something that i'm very strict about but once these people are in office and they have pages like they so often do, they, they have a campaign page, you know, uh, vote for Christopher Bilbrey for da-da-da-da-da. Then when I'm elected to that office, then I change that to, you know, Counselor Christopher Bilbrey's page, whatever. That's no longer a campaign page. And, and whether I call it that or not, when I'm on there conducting business for the office that I represent – and I'm, I'm, you know, sharing information to constituents and whatnot, you know, that's a little bit different. And this is kind of new territory that we are treading because when you go to a meeting, they have to act in a certain way and they can't block people from meetings. And there are different laws at play there. And all of those have been in place for such a long time. And even though it seems like social media has been around quite some time, it's still relatively new as it relates to the law and what we're talking about here. So they're in the process of trying to develop all of this and have a standard. Now, in the state of Indiana and in a lot of other states, there is something called a public access counselor or something to that effect that helps to govern all of these and helps make rulings and opinions on whether or not officials or governments are acting within the laws pertaining to sunshine laws or the open door laws or um, record request laws and, and so on and so forth. And they are a good place to go to get information. And in matters like this, even though there are a lot of questions that are still needing to be answered and there's a lot of precedent that still needs to be set one thing is certain that they cannot as elected officials do what mr prescott did to brandon and that is something that's certain but a lot of people don't know that and so they never 
push the envelope with it if someone shuts them down and we're needing people to make a stink about this. This is why I wanted to have Brandon on to tell his story so people could see what all is involved and it's not really a lot of work and it's something that people need to do and it's important for people to know if anybody is out there and gets shut down like Mr. Clover is talking about or or like I know others have it's important to not just say okay I, I quit it's important to follow through with you know with with trying to get something done about that because we're we're right now in the stage where this is all being decided on now it's important to note elected officials can have private social media accounts for their friends family and others if they're posting pictures of their kids and their dogs and their kids sporting activities and they post things about their families and they do not engage in politics and the business of their office or the government that they represent, then they can decide who is on that page and they don't have to answer questions on that page and they can block whoever they want. That is a private page. But if they have a page where they are conducting the business of the government, uh, that's a little bit different. And so basically, you know, you felt your First Amendment right was being violated by Mr. Prescott. So tell us what happened at that point. First of all, I just like to say that was a, that was a good explanation. I, I agree with you 100% on that. Um, the one thing I'd like to add that is interesting to me um, mm -hmm. is that if you're a, a public official and say I go on your, your page, regardless of the page, and I start saying, you know, F you, um, I'm threatening you, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. They don't even have to block me anyway. Sure. You can report that to Facebook, and they don't even have to be part of that process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it it doesn't even need to be that. And I and I would also say it would probably make more sense if someone's doing that to probably report them, especially if they're threatening you. But You're right. Yes, I, You're right. I'm, I'm glad you said that because technically – Somebody who's saying that, I mean, they still have a First Amendment right in, in aspects, and so there is a proper way for them to deal with that. For example, like if you're talking about the city of Portland or the city of Muncie and you're you're commenting on their page, when they block people, they have to have reasons and they have to keep that information. And, and, and it's, it's, it, it is a step where it would be better if they went through the process to do that because they would be protecting themselves against lawsuits like yours, even though yours is a legitimate lawsuit and those others might not necessarily, even though people could still file them, they would be protecting themselves against that if they would go through the step of having Facebook do it rather than doing it themselves. You are correct. Yeah. So, and I agree with the rest of that. I, I think if, um, um, if he's running, like you said, if he's got a, a personal page, he just has pictures of him and his, his family or whatever. And I'm getting on there and saying, Hey, why'd you vote against this bill? You know what? Maybe you want to block me on that. And that makes sense to me. I, I mean, I, I'm not, a, I'm not a person who's going to say you can't have, just because you're an official, you no longer have privacy. You can no longer have your own social media, you know? So I, I agree with that 100%, just to be clear on that one. So following up on that, he blocks me. I tried to have that conversation on Facebook. That kind of got shut down. Um, so I sent him an email. I got no response. I believe I sent a second email, or maybe it was the first one I copied in, um, 
the Republican majority leader, Todd Houston, mm-hmm. copied him in as well um, with my concerns. I believe I got in another side conversation with JD on uh, um, Facebook where I asked if he would please respond to my email, give me an answer, or um, and he said he would. He never did. I wasn't getting answers from that, so I started writing letters. I wrote letters to the editor, to um, I believe every paper in the district. I wrote letters to, I wrote a lot of letters. I wrote a letter to the governor. I wrote a letter to the attorney general. I wrote a letter to Good. state Supreme Court. I wrote a letter to um, Congressman Banks. I wrote a letter to um, basically every every politician in the state, in the state right. of Indiana who is relevant to this district. <laughs> no, that's, I, I like that. I, I like that. Let me ask you this. Obviously, that takes a little bit of time, but it doesn't take nearly as much time as people think. How long did that take you? I'd write all the letters and get them out, maybe half an hour or something. Okay. So the point there I'm making is people might be listening to this and they might say, what's the point of all of this? The point of all of this is this is a situation where As a citizen, in my opinion, you're doing everything right. That's exactly what people should be doing. If we have elected officials who are shirking back on their responsibilities and not doing what they're supposed to be doing, we have to hold them accountable. And in my opinion, you're doing everything that I wish more citizens would do. And it doesn't take that long. It doesn't take that much energy to find out how to email, to find out these folks' uh, office addresses, and to send these letters out and to correspond, to make that paper trail, to to lay the groundwork of saying, look, I, I have a serious issue here with your colleague, and I, I feel like my rights are being violated. I have a simple, easy question or questions and this person is not responding and you know I'm I'm wanting to get something done about this and I'm wanting to let you guys know and that's I think that's fantastic so I love hearing that you did that and I you know I'm wanting people to know that this is is all things that we should be doing and it doesn't take that much time, and it's not that difficult. And it, you know, if if more people did what you were doing, we wouldn't have to do it for very long because elected officials would get the point. They realize that there's more of us than there are them, and they would understand that we were paying attention, and they would stop getting themselves in that situation. If they found out that we were going to start holding them accountable, then it wouldn't take that long, and it wouldn't take many of us to do it because they would realize, you know, holy shit, they're, they're serious. They are going to start taking uh, us to task for not doing what, what we're doing you know, if we're doing something wrong. And I'd like to, from a personal perspective on this, having done this, let your listeners know that um, there's a good feeling to doing it. it. It's therapeutic to know, maybe you feel like you're silenced and you had no voice, which is how I felt. It was very right. frustrating. It feels like something happened that wasn't right and nobody cares and nobody's listening. Just to get those letters out and know that these other people with, with some authority at, at least, at least, are hearing your concerns and your in your story is very therapeutic, and it, it feels it's a it's a good feeling. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I don't know if I could come off a little 
crazy writing all no, these letters. No, that's good. No, it, no, yeah, no, I think that's fantastic. But um, yeah, it's definitely a good feeling. So, um, in some people responded to me. Um, I got some calls back. I got some letters back. Um, some people saying there's not a lot we can do. Um, some people with advice who wanted to remain um, anonymous. Um, advising, you know, maybe you need to take legal action, but I can't advise you to take legal action. But I'm just saying, not telling you to take legal action, but in the past, legal action has resolved this issue. Kind of things <laughs> like that. Right. So there, there were people who I know that they read it. I know that they, they agreed with me that it wasn't right and they wanted to help, but there's not a lot maybe they could do. Um, so um, as I guess moving forward, I guess as part of that, a part of that letter writing campaign, one of the places I had um, written a letter to or, or filed a um, complaint with was the ACLU. So um, I basically, it's really simple to, to file with them. They have a website. You can put in your data. They'll, um, I know they're shorthanded at times, so it might take some time to get a response. I didn't think I would get a response because it did take a little bit of time. Um, but I did finally get a response from um, an attorney at the ACLU who um, was really supportive, really understanding, listened to my story um, and uh, said, hey, I, I think you've got a case. Um, let us dig into this more um, and we'll do everything we can to help you. So um, I, I really appreciated that. That was um, first time after this happened that I felt like, hey, they're there is a way to get justice. There is, um, there is right and wrong, and, and there's a way for that to, to be corrected. And the attorney at the ACLU that you dealt with was Gavin Rose. I have worked with him on an incident in Winchester and a couple of other issues. I believe that he listens from time to time to this podcast, so hopefully he'll hear this, but he's a great a great, great, great attorney. He was great. He was very understanding. I tell you, uh, he is someone who makes you feel like um, he's listening to you and and will do everything that he can to the best of his ability. I feel like he's really good at letting you know where you're at in the case, what's happening. He's really good at managing your expectations so you're not wondering or you're not thinking something bigger than it is. It's just he's really down to earth and he does a really good job of keeping you in the know of what's going on. And he's a fantastic attorney. I agree 100%. Yeah, especially just those things, managing expectations, letting you know um, what what the options are, like what, you know, I when I first started talking to him, I was like, you know, I, I feel like um, maybe this case comes off as petty. Maybe it's a waste of your time. You guys have a lot of important things to do. And he's like, no, you're right. We're going to, we're going to help you. So yeah. So he gets a hold of me, you know, kind of lays out my options, wants to know what I want to do. And, you know, in the beginning, I, I didn't really want to be involved in a lawsuit. I'm not a, a litigious person. It's something I've never done before. Right. Really, I just wanted to be on block. Um, <laughs> I, I would have liked an apology, but I was informed by Gavin's fat <laughs> chance of that one ever happening. Right. Like, don't hold your breath on that one. There's some expectation management for you. He's never going to apologize to you, probably. So, <laughs> And there's no way to make him apologize to me. So um, 
but he said, but we, what we can do is do what we can to um, have your rights restored. So, um, but the path we ended up going down was, I agreed. I said, you know, I think the best thing would be to, to do this lawsuit. I talked to my wife about it a lot beforehand. Again, we're, we're a team and, um, you know, there were, there were a lot of concerns with it. You know, some of the things that did, did end up happening is, you know, I'm sure our names are going to be smeared for suing them for something like that. Or, um, you know, it's all political because my wife had a history of running against him, you know, was the kind of things we, we kind of knew people were going to say that. Sure. That wasn't what it was about. Um, it, it ended up being a discussion because of that, you know, Hey, you know, we might have our names drugged through the mud in this community for doing something like that. He's, he's got plenty of supporters, um, you know, so do we want to do this? And she said, you know, I support you. I think you're right. Let's, let's go ahead and do it. So I love it. Uh, so we, we decided to move ahead. Um, <clears throat> I'm really glad that we did because like I said, I thought the response was going to be a lot of, people in the community kind of coming out against us, like, come on, man, are you for real? There were a lot of people who said, hey, I, I saw on the paper what's what's going on. And, you know, it's awesome. We're so glad that you're yeah. accountable. Um, thank you for what you're doing. Other people are like, yeah, I was being blocked when I was trying to ask questions or make comments. Other people who had similar things happen to them but didn't realize that there was really anything you could do about it you know it, it'd be fun if you just go to like a, a community event and people that didn't really know me but knew my wife were like you know oh okay you, you guys are this is the guy you guys are, yeah. are doing this suit and that's that's pretty cool so that that was the biggest response we got yeah um you know i was ready to weather the <laughs> Weather the abuse, but um, that's really not what we got. So that that was great. Well, you find out that there are other people out there that have been done this same way. And that, like you said, a lot of people don't know what their options are. They feel like there are no options. And, mm -hmm. and they, they feel like, you know, I'm quote unquote abused by, by this elected official who is, is violating my First Amendment right or, or doing this or doing that, whatever the case may be. And, you know, I just don't feel like there's any other avenue that I can take. And, uh, you know, they don't realize that, that there are steps and that's why it's so important. And I, I definitely wanted to talk to you because I want people to know that there are steps that can be taken and they should talk to their families and talk to their, their partners and, and, and go through the steps if that's something that they so choose and, and hold these people accountable because that's the only way that we can, can, make this stop if if this happened to him 10 times he's probably going to think about these actions before he does that and so if all of these people who had reached out to you and said you know this is great because you know the same thing happened to us if they had known that they could do what you did you know that could really make a difference. So uh, I'm glad that that was the response that you got. Um, I mean, I I knew that it would be because I hear from people all the time, listeners and and various people that you know feel like they're being wronged in some way by you know people who are being paid by their tax dollars, and it's it's not a good thing. So you go through this lawsuit and take us to what happens next. 
I guess the next step is the lawsuit starts. Gavin does some great research. He makes some really good points in the suit, um, files the suit. In the meantime, I catch wind, or maybe my wife saw it on Facebook, that Jeff Rotz, the District 27 state senator, was going to host a town hall meeting with um, J.D. Prescott in Winchester. This was probably announced, I want to say, three to maybe three or four days before um, the town hall. And so my first thought is, hey, Gavin, is, <laughs> is it okay if I go to this when I get a lawsuit <laughs> right now? Is this an issue? Um, and he is always great at responding. You, you, you know, you have First Amendment rights. Yeah, go to the town hall if you want to Absolutely. go to the town hall. So uh, I decide I'm going to go to this. I um, ruffled some feathers with the party because um, it seemed like this was being kept under wraps. Prescott wasn't advertising it on his campaign page. Um, some other people who probably could have advertised it so the community would know there's an opportunity to go down the we're not advertising it. So I shared Jeff Roth's um, page announcement. I started calling friends saying, hey, if you get a chance, can you please share this? It's really important. We're at the town hall in like three days. Um, we haven't had one of these. We just got through the entire session. There was no town hall held where we could ask questions. Uh. Um, I said, if you can please share this. I, I tagged certain people who I thought should share it. Um, and was kind of trying to get a little movement going. I had quite a few friends who were like, yeah, I can share it, but I can't be there. There's like no notice. It's a Saturday morning at 9 a.m. I got to take my kids to baseball. Like I can't go for this reason, but there are a lot of people who kind of got behind like, dang, I wish I was there. Um, I would love to be there. It's too bad there's not enough notice, but I'll definitely share it. Um, so kind of got that going. Um, Kind of got my hand slapped on that one, but that's fine. I don't care about that. <laughs> um, so my wife and I made plans. We were up bright and early. We were going. We had um, we had our binders together. We had legislation printed out that we had questions on. We had notes. Um, we we're fired up and ready to go. Um, so I had requests from other people um, who couldn't go who asked me, hey, could you please recorded if you're going to go there i mean i can't be there but i'd love to have that information hear what what's being said um and uh you know maybe you could post on facebook and then everyone could somewhat be part of the town hall and, and get that information i said you know sure i'll give a shot i've, I've got my phone um got an extra memory card in it so i could record the whole thing if i needed to so we get there bright and early let me pause you um, there for one second I just want to jump in here for one second and say it's my opinion that these elected officials should be live streaming these events. These elected officials, whoever's there, whoever's hosting it, whoever's putting it on, you know, whoever's the main elected official, if in this case it was if it was Rots, should be live streaming this so that as many people can see this as possible. There are people who work on Saturdays. There are people who work first shift, second shift. Whenever this is, there's always people who can't be there, but might want to be involved in the process. And just as I am an advocate of city governments and county governments live streaming their meetings, I believe that these town halls should be put out there 
these elected officials should meet the people where the people are. And there's people on social media that's not going away. It's not a fad. It's here to stay. Uh, however much people want to gripe and bitch and moan about it, social media is here and there are people who access things faster, quicker through social media. It's easier for them. And these elected officials should meet the public where the public are. And I feel like that's their responsibility. The, the fact that they're not doing that is a disservice to the constituents in their districts. So beyond that, citizens showing up and recording or live streaming this, that's that's not even something that this should be should be questioned they should be able to do that and they should just there should be no issue with that whatsoever so you guys show up raring to go ready to ask questions ready to record this sorry for interrupting you i just needed to get that little piece of information out there because i feel as though that should be their responsibility and that's just one more thing that they don't do and they would never dream of doing so Take it away. Let us know what happened when you guys showed up. No problem. I, I don't disagree with you on that at all. Um, I guess the other, sorry, the one other thing I forgot to mention is um, it seemed like it was really kept under under wraps. I couldn't sure. get, I couldn't get um, certain people to share it. I called, this is one of the details. I called um, J.D. Prescott's office and I said, hey, um, I saw something on um, Facebook from um, Senator Jeff Rotz saying that there's a town hall this weekend and J.D. Prescott's supposed to be there. Um, it's at a private location. Is this open to the public? Like, we don't have anything on this calendar. We don't know what, I, I don't have any details on this. Let me check. I mean, this is maybe uh, Thursday or Friday in the, the event Saturday morning. Like, let me check, like, uh, I don't see anything. Where did you see this? I'm like, well, that's on Jeff Rout's page. So he looks up, he goes, yeah, it looks like it says it's a town hall meeting and that constituents are sp supposed to be able to come discuss the issue. So I guess you can go. Do you want me to forward this to you? It's like, well, thank you for being helpful. I've got it. I just was hoping you had some additional information. And there was nothing on the calendar. So it was, seemed fairly under wraps to me, um, under um, – under advertised and seemed like it was really trying to discourage people from being there. So that's really why I started my whole campaign of trying to share as much as I could. Um, sorry for that sidetrack, but no, I, no, that's, that's, that's fine. I think I that's forgot. fantastic. I, that's your, that's, yeah, that's, that's good. Um, and it's, it's amazing to me, you know, that, that it, this could be called a town hall. And so was it, was it at a private residence? Um, I don't know. I want to call a person out. It was at a, it was at a, a farm, a, a business farm. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, that, that's fine. And, and I'll say that the, um, I'll say that the host was, was actually a very polite and kind person. So I, I don't want to bad mouth the venue or anything sure. like that. He's a really nice guy, but it was a, a private location. Okay. So that, that is relevant. That, and that's, that's not on the person. That's that, that's the, that, and I definitely agree with you. That's more than likely, uh, you know, a supporter of, of one or more of these uh, officials and, and they say, hey, can we have this at your at your property? Now, in my opinion, that makes zero sense. They could have had it at the uh, 
at the 4-H fairground in Winchester or it could have been at any fairgrounds in the in the district it could be at any city hall or any you know library or county government building you know if they're going to have a true town hall it, this would make sense to be in a place where people can attend you know if it's a nice day have it in a park be someplace where citizens feel comfortable and and will be so that the, the community can attend it, it seems strange that you would just have it at someone's you know private residence or private you know business or whatnot and it's it, i'm not saying that about the the person you know who owned the property i'm saying that you know again calling out the officials who think that that's okay yeah yeah gotcha so, so you guys get there and, and find out that it is, you know, a private, a private area. And so then what, what happens from there? Well, we, we get some seats pretty close out front on, um, kind of on JD's side. Cause it, it was, a um, Senator Roth, who's not our Senator, um, JD Prescott. And so, um, we're sitting there and, um, JD starts talking. And so I, I lift up my cell phone, um, start taking pictures and getting ready to record. And he stops mid-sentence and said, and kind of looks over at me and goes, um, just an announcement for everyone here. You need to know that this is a private, uh, this is a private, um, property and you have no right to record me, um, in any way. Said we have a member of the media here who, um, can record if he wants to, but there is no recording allowed. And he looked at me and said, um, and I don't want to. I don't want to see any videos of me on your social media in a in a very snappy, rude way. This is. Uh, listen, I know this was so long ago, and and I I know this, but that burns me up just hearing you say it. Uh, I, that the the fact that they feel as though they have that right to do that, and and feel like that's an okay thing just it 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 sets me on fire so go go forward yeah so i kind of smile i said i can't take pictures or anything yes well you can take pictures but i don't want to see me on your social media i don't see any videos on your social media all right whatever so at this point i'm frustrated obviously um i haven't been able to ask a single question the, the event has just started i've got my binder i got all my questions ready i've been wanting to get particularly the two questions that got me blocked. I've been, I've wanted those answered for years and haven't gotten a response. So, um, <laughs> my wife's a little bolder than me. She, she's like, let's just keep recording. Yes. I'm like, I, it's like, I don't, it's like, I agree with you that we should be able to record, but I really don't want to get kicked out. I would rather be able to ask my questions. I don't know if we should have been stubborn enough to go ahead or not. Um, I'm I'm a little more reserved than her. She's she's more of a fighter. Um, <laughs> but uh, we're like, you know what? Let's just uh, let's just play it cool. Let's see if we can get some questions. We just start transcribing everything. Sure. I'm I'm writing like crazy. I'm writing down all the statements. Um, I'm not recording. I'm just writing down what he's saying. Um, he's kind of filibustering up there, just talking about pointless things that don't matter for. The whole event's like an hour. He's up there for 15 minutes talking about how, oh, because of COVID, we were opening this building across the street. Well, who cares? What does that have to right, do with anything? Right. <laughs> um, 
tells a couple stories that he tells everywhere he goes of just general n- nonsensicalness. And then we finally get to questions. Nobody's really raising their hand. So I raise my hand. I say, yeah, I've got a question for you. Um, I've been talking to a buddy who is a disabled veteran. I talked to him a couple days before. Um, he couldn't make it to the event, but he wanted me to, he definitely was like, yeah, you, you need to ask the question. And that's part of the reason I didn't want to leave before I asked the question. Um, I said, hey, I've got a buddy who asked me to ask this, so I'm here today to ask you, why did you vote against Senate Bill 280? I was like, this bill directly helps him with his taxes and, and staying in his home and helps him with that. Like, you were the only representative who voted against it. I've asked you this several times. I don't know if you'll be willing to answer it now, but why did you vote against helping our disabled veterans in Senate Bill 280? He stops for a second and goes, all right, everyone, um, before I answer this full disclosure, this is the gentleman who's suing me with the ACLU. <laughs> and you know what? It, I have pride in that. So I just kind of lean forward, look out at the audience and give a little, little yeah. parade wave. Yeah, I said, yep. I said, yep, I'm that gentleman. I'm the guy <laughs> who's fighting for my rights against you because you're so scared to answer this question that you choose to silence me. <laughs> you could have just ignored me, but you silenced me. Right. So sorry, I'm getting a little fired up again, but it, I wasn't even going to bring up the lawsuit because it was irrelevant to the day. Sure, right. But he decides he thinks he's going to call me out and try to shame me in front of the crowd. I didn't care. Yeah, that's so, great. That's beautiful. So, <laughs> so um, he proceeds to answer the question. It's the most ridiculous answer I've ever heard in my life. He says, well, I'm a constitutional conservative. And the Constitution says that all men are created equal. And if we give tax breaks to disabled veterans, that's treating them as a special class. Uh... They're not a special class. So I'm a real conservative. So I voted no. And it's not fair if they get a tax break. That means other property owners are going to have to pick up that tax burden. So I stand, he, he probably didn't say those exact words. Like I said, I couldn't record it. But, sure, sure. Um, but so His fault for not allowing you to record it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So he stood behind his decision to, as a conservative Republican to not <sighs> vote for lower taxes and helping veterans. <laughs> That's a ridiculous answer. So I'm like, are you kidding me? I just kind of shake my head. I don't even know how to respond to this at this point. So I voted no. And I said, well, I'm glad that every other representative in the state voted yes, because it helped my friend stay in his house. And then I just sat back (laughs) and we moved on. (laughs) Great. I love it. So um, uh, my wife had a couple of questions. She asked a question on, um, she asked a question on, um, uh, I think it was it's something she she's way better at this stuff than me, but it's I think it was a 1005 question on how they cut CTE funding from um from the from the bill at the house, which was then restored in the Senate. And JD just looked at her and went, No, you're wrong. <laughs> she's like, excuse me? Uh, I'm pretty sure that's how it worked. He went, No, you're wrong. And then she looks over at Senator Roth and he goes on to pre- to proceed to explain how she was actually correct. Um, oh my god! That question really made him mad for some reason, even angry in mine. Um, and then I got one other question, and they didn't answer a ton of questions. I asked why he voted against the um, testing for lead in the water, 
And he said, well, I didn't know where the funding was coming from and I eventually voted for it. So, okay. And um, <laughs> I don't know if I should be proud, but I was a little, still a little fired up from him trying to call me out for suing him. So I said, well, thank you for answering my questions. That didn't seem that hard. You didn't even have to violate my rights to do it. <laughs> and uh, he did a little double take. He didn't appreciate that one. He said he he would never do that. And he didn't violate my rights. And then uh, he kind of moved on from there. So um, those are the questions we were able to ask. We weren't allowed to record or share it. Um, um, I did get some answers, which was good. Uh, it took way longer than I really feel like it should have. Um, and that was kind of the end of that episode. Um, this all happened, mind you, during during the lawsuit. Um, it hadn't ended yet. So following that, um, I I kept um, in contact with Attorney Gavin Rose um, on updates. There was it's always a little bit of dragging of the while while these things were going on. People are allowed to file for extensions, things like that. Um, and I get an email, a follow-up from him, where he says, "Well, we've got a we've got a proposal from um, from Representative Prescott and his attorney. He's saying that he doesn't even want the page anymore. That he would prefer to delete it. That they're willing to settle." And um, I was a little frustrated by that. I, I was like, you know, he should be communicating with people. I prefer that I just be unblocked and he can answer questions or ignore me, but don't block me. And um, it was explained to me that if, if he chooses to delete his page, there's nothing I can really do about it. Sure. Um, it would go to court and, and my lawsuit would be, you unblock me from a page that doesn't exist. And the lawyers and the judge would say, well, this is pointless. So our best option was to um, draft a settlement um, that would, protect everyone and resolve it the only way it was going to go at this point anyway. So the settlement is, is public. I've been um, informed I can share it. The settlement essentially said settlement essentially said that Jay Prescott would delete his page. He, he has the right, like we discussed before, he can create a, a private page. He can create a campaign page. He can do all these other things as long as he is not operating as a government official um, and blocking constituents. He, he he can't do basically he can't do that. It's what he would agree to. Sure. So so he can he can have a private page which he does have, That's and fair. he could create a campaign page, and on the campaign page he can still block people. But if he uses that campaign page after he is then reelected and they're they're in a session and he's posting on there the business of the state government and he's asking questions and he's going back and forth with constituents, then in that situation he would have to allow anyone or everyone to be a part of that that wanted to be a part of it and he could not block people, essentially. Correct. So yeah, basically he couldn't do what he was doing. So you he were vindicated. To, yes, which was awesome. The thing that was frustrating was um, between the time he said he didn't want his page anymore and the settlement got finished, he was continuing to post on it. So he didn't sure. want the page. He just didn't want to be in trouble. So yeah, um, right. But he did eventually comply. Um, that page no longer exists. Um, 
I believe um, like he has his own personal page, all that, whatever. Um, I believe I'm blocked from that as well. So, um, and, I, I don't. and I, I believe he dances around this a little bit because I, I've been monitoring his page. I'm still friends with him. And I, I do believe that he dances around that a little bit because I do believe, in my opinion, that he posts things on his personal page that, in my opinion, I would consider uh, posting the business of the government. And so... Uh, you know, I'm going to continue monitoring that a little bit. And I'm going to, uh, in all fairness for the listeners and, and, and you and everyone, I'm going to give him an opportunity uh, to appear if he wants to come on and talk and say his side of this. I'm going to allow him to do that. Um, that'll be completely up to him. I will ask, you know, I, I can't say that, you know, which way he'll go on that. I have a pretty strong assumption that he will turn me down. Um, but I will give him an opportunity to appear and say his piece. If he would be so inclined, I'm just not holding my breath. It's just, it's, it's to me utterly disgusting that an elected official would say, now nah, I'll just delete it, rather than unblock one individual who asked a question basically that he's already answered, so it's like there wasn't anything really to hide from anymore, other than you would probably ask other questions in the future. Uh, and, you know, it's just, it's this says something to me, and it should say something to all other listeners out there, specifically the listeners that would fall within District 33, which now is Blackford County, and you need to be listening for the listeners in Blackford County and for the small section of Henry County, you know, this now pertains to you, um, you know, that you would have this elected official who will be representing you um, that, you know, was so against answering this one question from this one individual. And let's not be, you know, blind here. He's blocked other people. They just didn't come forward. They didn't know they had, you know, a leg to stand on or whatnot. So I'm definitely glad that you've done that. Where do you guys see yourselves going from here? Obviously, you're still involved. Is your wife going to run again? What say you guys on all of that? Or is it too early? Um. It's probably too early to say that's a discussion we'll have to have. Sure. Um, we will definitely continue to advocate. Um, we will continue to um, push for what's right and help our community in any way we can. My wife's been really supportive of me through this as well. And he constantly tells me she's proud of me every time we have another step forward because, I mean, she's seen those same things, you know, as, as people are coming up and saying those things about, oh, it's great. I mean, if, even if he's still our representative, knowing that we're pushing him in the right direction, sure, um, we're going to continue to do. We'll continue, continue to watch. We'll continue to advocate and um, do whatever we can to get the best representation we can in our district. Oh, whether God, I that, love that. Whether that involves um, her in that position uh, uh, or fighting to get into that position or whether that's um, – doing the things we continue to do to um, just push things to be better. 
That's fantastic. I, I love hearing that. You guys are doing it like you should be. I absolutely love it. You guys are in a fantastic place in life, in in your community, and I think you're doing such a wonderful job. This is what I preach, folks, each and every episode, every waking hour of my day. This is what it's about being responsible to your communities, being responsible for yourself, and being civic-minded, working to better your government, local, state, and federal, by your citizen involvement. Working to better your government, local, state, and federal, by your citizen involvement. And we can make a difference. And he's making a difference, and his wife is making a difference by all of their involvement. And it takes education, it takes being active and involved, and doing your part. It's such a big thing, and I thank you guys. I thank you for being active and involved. I think it's absolutely fantastic. You guys make me so happy to know that you're out there doing this. And I hope that this gives others a little bit of an idea of what they can to do to fight back against government that's just simply not working for us anymore. When it's not working for the people, it's not working. And it's not working for the people, folks. Period. So, Brandon, I want to say when you guys make a decision on whether or not she's running or, hell, if you decide to run, whatever you guys decide, please feel free to contact me. I would love to be able to announce that to my listeners and help you guys however I can. I am definitely on your team, on your side. I think you guys are doing amazing work, and I would love to be able to spread that message on and help you guys. So please feel free. You're welcome back here anytime. Is there anything that you would like to say before we wrap up? I would like to say thank you for um, (laughs) all your kind words. It's very nice. Like I said before, you have options for these things. Um, You don't have to sit, sit there quietly when, when you don't think something's right. There are definitely options. Absolutely. It can make a world of difference. Like I said, just, little things you can see making an impact. Um, sure. Even, even writing a letter to the editor makes a huge impact. Um, I, I noticed already from a couple of days after um, my letter that you mentioned was, was published. Um, <laughs> there was a, I don't know what I want to call, I'll call it an article in the, the Winchester paper about what a, what a great job um, Prescott's doing talking to the community and how he's, He's got a quote in there about how the best way he can reach people is um, is by just going around and talking to, to specific businesses. Um, not to sound conceited, but I feel like there's a, a direct connection there and that doing these things and speaking out can make a difference and push people to try to try to do better. They they definitely they definitely can. You're exactly right. That's that's the thing because you know it it, it gets them to know 
uh, and to understand, hey, there are people out here that are paying attention and, and that will be that will be uh, looking uh, at me. And, and you definitely are right. And, and if more people would be willing to hold these elected officials accountable and, you know, hold them to the fire and, and give them praise when they do good. You know, I'm not just talking about being negative uh, or, or, or calling them out or, you know, taking them to task. When they do something right and they do something good, let them know that they're doing well and let them know that you support what they're doing. You know, both sides of that, um, you know, is important. And now I will take uh, that little puff piece a different direction just a second because while I do agree with you 100% that it lets these elected officials know hey people are watching and and I need to do better I also thought that that was it was just too much of a puff piece in my opinion because JD's like the best way that I can you know reach out is to talk to people in the community but then you look at the people that he talked to he basically showed up at city halls in his uh, district in Winchester and in Portland during business hours when most people are working. Um, I would say the only people there that he talked to were the other local elected officials or the city you know, police officers and firemen, which is great. He needs to talk to them, but there's no real public there. And then he goes to businesses that are fairly supportive of him as speaking from the, the, uh, Winchester side of things. He goes to Mrs. Wicks, which is ran and, and operated by, uh, a Randolph County commissioner, Michael Wickersham, who is thick as thieves with, with JD Prescott and is, is on team Prescott. And they're all part of the same little Winchester cabal. And he goes to, um, you know, a couple of other Randolph County businesses that are very supportive of him. He's not, in my opinion, talking to the everyday citizens of his district. And so I think that's a little disingenuous of him and of the paper who happens to be ran by another elected official in, in Winchester. So, you know, that's a whole nother story, but um, you are right in saying that holding their feet to the fire and doing what you did does let them know, you know, Hey, we are out here and we are paying attention but it, it also then causes them to try to figure out a way to, hey, let's put a positive spin on this. Let's go talk to our buddies and make it look like we're doing something. <laughs> yeah, I, I, guess the, I guess the point I was kind of dancing around was um, you can see that you're impacting him and getting inside of his head when you write sure. a letter to the editor. And then a couple of days later, there's a puff piece about <laughs> the exact opposite of what your letter to the editor <laughs> just described. Yes, absolutely. Well, I guess he's paying attention, so that's good. (laughs) You're right. You're 100% you're right. Well, very good. Well, Brandon, I've enjoyed talking with you. Uh, I I, uh, love, love, love your story. I hope it gives people out there the the courage to stand up and and to do the same thing when – 
when they need to do it. Hopefully, we have elected officials that will do better, um, but I also am fairly realistic, and I and I know that this will happen again, and it will happen in various different forms. So I hope people can, can take from your story and realize that there are things that they can do. And of course, I know that there are going to be things that you and your wife continue to do. I can't wait to hear what those things are, and I hope that we'll be talking to one or maybe both of you about running for various things in the future and i can't wait to see what the future holds thank you for joining us brandon it was a pleasure talking with you well thank you very much we we definitely stay in touch and i really appreciate you sharing the story because um I think it's important. So thank you very much. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for this 168th episode of Perception is Reality. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you took a lot away from this amazing interview. Please, please share this show with everyone you know. Remind folks they can find us literally everywhere. iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many, many more. All they have to do is search for us by name. Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. They can also find us at the home link, which is perception.fireside.fm. Again, that is perception.fireside.fm. They can pull us right up. Also, don't forget to check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash bilbrey318. Also, don't forget to check out our co-host, Amber Green, on Facebook. That's Amber Green. Green has an E at the end. And be sure to check out her store, Fate Style Studio, on Facebook and in person in Yorktown, Indiana. It's fantastic. Be sure to stop by and say hello. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves, take care of each other. Remember, we can better government through citizen involvement. All it takes is for us to get educated and involved. It's easier than you think. Until next time, Be safe, God bless, and we'll look forward to talking to you all again real soon. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com or get off your button call the show at 765-546-9796 till next time remember perception perception is, is reality reality this has been perception is reality with christopher h bilbrey where we aim for better government through citizen involvement